Welcome to the Empowering Industry Podcast, a production from Empowering Pumps and Equipment as the voice of the pump and related equipment industry. Hey, everybody, and welcome to episode 26 of the Empowering Industry Podcast. I'm your host, Charlie Matthews, and I'm joined by my co-host, Bethany Walmack. Hey, Charlie. Hey to everyone listening. We're so excited for you to be here with us. Thanks for choosing us like you do every week. Uh, Do us a favor. Leave us a rating and review that helps us show up on all the podcast platforms so other listeners like you find the show. Like every week, we're going to cover social media updates, preview the news from Empowering Pumps and Equipment, and connect you with an industry influencer. But first, Charlie, how was your very busy WefTech week? Uh, it was a great week. It was busy. It was. I felt like it was the first time that I felt the trade show life, like the buzz happening. I think it's because, you know, I had a lot of stuff going on. I had some speaking engagements. I had WefTech Connect. I had our meetup. And so it was just like a lot of connecting, which of course, connecting with new people <laughs> gives me great joy. So I had, I really did have a great week, uh, just a busy one, but I loved it. What about you? Well, I have a bone to pick with you because I feel like you jinxed me on the last podcast. Oh, no. We were talking about water hammer and what sounds to listen for in your home when your pipes are being loud. And let me tell you, we've had a major plumbing issue that requires a 9 a.m. appointment with a plumber to come fix it. And I thought to myself, I should have been heeding all of the warning signs that Charlie was telling me about, like, you know, slow running pipes and loud water bubble noises. But anyway, here we are and I get to hang out with a plumber tomorrow morning, which should be lots of fun. Well, you can just tell him that you knew it was water hammer or cavitation <laughs> and he'll be like, what? Uh, yes, he'll be so impressed with my knowledge. And other than that, I had a really good day today. We're recording on Thursday before the episode comes out on Monday. And we, we spent the day celebrating Empowering Women because today would have been our in-person Empowering Women event for 2020 had we not moved it up due, the, due to the pandemic. And it was just a really fun day reminiscing about the event. We watched the video that our production crew made for us of Charlie being awesome and talking about the awesome event. And it was just a fun day to, you know, highlight all the all the people and companies that helped make that event possible. And I really enjoyed it. And you made some really great graphics as well to go along with our celebration today. And it really makes it, it just brings everybody together, makes us happy, makes us, in, you know, enjoy the event that we had in August and look forward to our next event uh, in October. So it's just, you know, looking ahead is always a great, great time. 100% agree. Let's look ahead and get social. All right. This is a segment where we fill you in on a new trend or let you know something that's going on in the industry in social media. This week, we want to invite you to our virtual meetups. This will be for Empowering Pumps Tuesday, October 14th at 2 p.m. Central. We'll be discussing the article that we'll be talking about in our Let's Get Social section later. So pay attention. (laughs) Yes, pay attention. And if you want to join us, we'll have the link in the show notes. We will not be having the Empowering Women Call this week, but we will be encouraging everyone to attend the GRID Awards, which is October 13th. Uh, We 
absolutely support empowering women and want to make sure that we highlight uh, the award winners and be there for them as well. Also, sorry, everyone, that Empowering Pumps Meetup is on Wednesday, October 14th. So the date was right. I just typed in the wrong day. But everyone show up on Wednesday. We'd love to talk to you at 2 p.m. You do need to sign up for that so you can pre-register for it. And then you'll get the Zoom link and turn your videos on. You'll get to hang out with all of us. Right, Charlie? That's right. And I changed the date because of we normally have that. Well, I don't know. I can't remember. Yes, we normally have the Empowering Pumps on Tuesday, but because of the awards, we shifted it around. So that's my bad too. <laughs> no, y'all, we've been at a trade show all week. Cut us some slack. Seriously. <laughs> um, which reminds me, we just finished Web Tech Week. I had a lot of fun flexing my social skills during the event. We hoped that you all participated on social, but this is just me reminding you, friend to friend, that even though the event is technically over, for one, you can watch the sessions afterwards. I think your pass is available for a full year, but you can still use that hashtag and participate in social media by using the hashtag, hashtag WefTech. And you can go back and see what people were saying about the event, find new people to follow, start new conversations. You know, it's, it's a valuable tool that we don't want you to forget about. Charlie, do you have any... Um, Tips for following up after trade shows, trade show queen. Yes, absolutely. And I've already been doing it. So anytime that I connected with somebody on WefTech Connect, I then also connected with them on LinkedIn. Because you never know how long these platforms will keep us connected or who will still be engaged after an event. So LinkedIn is our professional network to stay connected. So go ahead and message them then there, hopefully getting their email address to say, in touch. Also, uh, I would just invite everybody to our Empowering Pumps meetup that we just talked about. And really the Empowering Women meetup that I forgot to mention, the next one's on October the 21st. So there's a lot of different meetups or, or events going virtual. So look for those opportunities to connect with people after an event. On to our main story for Let's Get Social. We're going to be highlighting and going through an article that's on the Empowering Brand site called Planning Your Marketing Strategy for 2021. Becca wrote this article for us for Empowering Brands, and it's based on things you know she's learned from attending lunch and learns and virtual sessions and talking to our clients and, and really brainstorming with our team about how we can and how our clients and partners can best plan their marketing strategy for 2021. I'll make sure to have that link in the show notes so you can read through the article. It's a really great article. And then let us know what you think. Yeah, like we mentioned, uh, this will be our main topic for discussion at the meetup. Um, so definitely want you there. As you listen to this podcast, go ahead and jot down your thoughts and questions that you can share on our meetup on Wednesday. Okay, tip number one is to be realistic with events. Okay, we know that events, trade shows and conferences we're going to have to adjust. We need to look at it, look at the first half of the year and really think, okay, these are probably going virtual, maybe have a hybrid. Um, some of the events that may be a little smaller may be able to go to in-person and virtual, but we need to just adjust and make sure that we're ready for whichever way. Um, so don't scrap events, right? Like don't just get rid of events as a strategy. They're, they actually, you know, are going to be quite effective in this time to reach people. So make a plan on how you want to be involved, look to be a you know virtual exhibitor or to be a sponsor for specific events that make sense to your brand and your culture. 
And so that could mean like reaching out to the event organizer and saying, hey, what are my options as an exhibitor? And really looking through those options and pinpointing beforehand what you need to do to be most effective. Yeah. And one of the things to be most effective is to actively participate in the event. So comment on the sessions, you know, go ahead and message attendees that you know. Um, And also if somebody's talking and you really like resonate with their message, go ahead and message them too. go to the networking events at these trade shows or conferences. This week has been so much fun to connect on, you know, with WefTech Connect. They had so many different sessions and engaging networking roundtables that you could participate in. It was a lot of fun. Um, And so it does make sense to make a plan for that. So plan for more digital initiatives around an event. Okay. If you're the speaker, um, and and I think being a speaker is kind of an an additional add on itself. You know, there are ways that you can, you know, offer a webinar, you could get creative and and maybe, you know, set aside some additional funds to advertise um, that you're going to be at an event. Um, So look at ways that you can do that. If you don't understand how to do this at all, then you can ask us. I mean, Empowering Pumps is, you know, doing digital ad campaigns on the regular to talk to target audiences for our clients. So we'd be happy to help you kind of strategize and make a plan to be most effective in these events. And so we're just going to hit the surface here, but this is something that we've been doing for over 10 years. And so I would love to be able to help you kind of make the best of your time at these events. Tip number two is to plan in shorter increments. Normally, you look at your marketing budget on a 12-month cycle. You plan for, you know, 2021. But what we're saying is that you need to plan in three to six months increments. It's more sustainable in this climate. We don't know what's going to happen with events, you know, three to six months out. And so this gives you more wiggle room to make sure you're utilizing your budget most effectively. And being optimistic, this allows you to have hope that, hey, in six months, we might be back to in-person events and that would be awesome. Yeah, I think it's important to be optimistic. You've got to plan for a different scenario, but hope and, and plan for the optimal one, which is is getting back to getting together. For sure. This allows you to be more flexible if you have higher discretionary funds. So you want to really avoid a scenario where either you don't spend your marketing budget and you lose it next year, or you spend it in an ineffective way, which is probably even worse. And so planning in shorter increments will really allow you to see what's happening before you get to, you know, Q4. And all of a sudden, you're really not on target with your marketing budget for the year. Yeah, I've, I've already shifted. And, and I love the way that we plan quarterly. You know, I think that, you know, a lot of our business cycles run quarterly, too. And people are, you know, accessing and, and kind of going through the, the data and the, the information and, and kind of looking at sales processes and that kind of thing on a quarterly basis. So I think it also makes sense to plan that way. So, okay. Tip number three, get more aligned with your sales team. You know, I mentioned sales. <laughs> Marketing and sales need to be best friends. I know it's tough. I have been in both worlds. I would say I'm a sales girl at heart. And then when I realized what marketing did when I started my own company, I was like, wow, mad respect for these marketers out there. It was it was such an eye-opening experience. And so this is really important. I think that I can't tell you this enough. They really do need to be best friends and communicating now more than ever before. Traditionally, sales roles have shifted to, you know, almost as fully 
digital model and the sales funnel needs to be revamped and it needs to work with both marketing and sales. So a lot of us are online right now and we are, you know, trying to utilize webinars or, you know, meetups and different things um, to market and get our message out. Well, if we don't talk to the salespeople about what the problems are um, that their clients are facing, then how are we going to provide any type of solutions for them? And so we really do have to have that communication um, so that we can send out the messages that our clients actually need. So more important than ever, than ever before, we need to qualify the leads before they go to a salesperson. We don't want to waste the salesperson time. Don't want to get them to have any negative mojo, if you will. We really need to make sure that our sales team is involved in developing the content. They are the ones that talk to their clients and understand how to solve their problems. So involving them is key. Change is hard, right? So sometimes we have to adapt. And this is one of the things that we have already needed to do for years, similar to engineering and operators connecting and talking to each other. Marketing and sales also need to talk to each other and plan out an effective strategy. And as a person that sees myself as a marketer rather than sales, I totally get, it's so easy to get into a rut and say like, well, we've done this last year and this is the way we did these pamphlets and did this marketing strategy. But right now it's so important to sit down with sales and say, what's working? Because I can create the prettiest pamphlet in the world and no one's getting a pamphlet anymore because <laughs> it's all digital. That's right. How are we going to effectively communicate with our clients? That's what we should be asking ourselves. And what problems can we solve right now for them? Okay. Our last tip that we talk about in planning for 2021 is that thought leadership is going to be number one. I love this because Charlie, you and I talk all the time about content marketing and having a content and a digital marketing strategy, but because everything's going virtual, content is really key to what you're trying to get out right now. It's a really simple equation to wrap your mind around. You know, people want to learn. If you're the one teaching them, they're going to trust you. If they trust you, they're going to buy from you. So what that means in developing content, and we've talked about in other articles you can go back and read, you need help. You need to, you need to get good content out there. If you have experts that can write for you, that's great. If you don't have the manpower, we can help with that to help you write more content. But then it's important, too, to think outside of the box of content. So, you know, your, your typical content that you've been offering so far, you've got webinars, case studies, white papers, all good, all things you still need to have and get more of. But now is this great time where you can really think creative about different ways you can be adding content. So there's fun things like being featured on a podcast. It's super fun. I've done that, too, and I love it. It's easy to do. You don't have to put on any makeup. Well, it depends on the podcast. Some of these people, videos, you know. That's true. Um, but so, you know, being on a podcast, you could sponsor a diversity and inclusion related event. You could create a valuable virtual meetup. These are all things that we've been doing at our company and have seen great benefits from. Um, but, you know, just thinking creatively, thinking outside of the box to show yourself as a thought leader and create content right now is going to be key to an effective marketing strategy for 2021. Yes. So in conclusion, it's incredibly important that we make sure there's not any gaps. Okay. Uh, we need to look through and sit down with our team and look through uh, our plan. You know, what are we going to do for the last 
the you know, last quarter right here. And then what are we going to do for 2021? So we'd love to talk to you. We'd like to talk to you about planning your goals. You know, what do you have in the pipeline of things that you want to accomplish? Uh, we can look through our 2021 media kit and see if there are anything that fits with your planning that you're trying to accomplish and see how we can help. Uh, but we can also, you know, help you think outside the box. We have been doing this digital media for, you know, almost 10 years. And I am so excited to be able to be at the place where we can actually help our customers. It, it just is so great. So anything that we can do to help you, you know, feel comfortable about your plan and, and kind of one last tip that I would like to give you is to go ahead and plan out the year, not necessarily putting all your money into one place, but go ahead and look at the year and say, what do I want to do? This may not happen. It may have to adjust, but let's sit down and let's say, okay, what do we want to do? I love it. Before we get out of Let's Get Social, I just wanted to remind everyone that the biggest joy in doing the podcast is getting to connect with our listeners and provide you with valuable content. And part of that is that we love to hear from you. So make sure you tag us on social media at Empowering Pumps. Use a hashtag Empowering Industry Podcast. Um, and let us know what you think, what you want to learn more about. And then really, I know we've said this like three times on the show already, but <laughs> We really would love to see you on our virtual meetup on Wednesday. That link will be in the show notes where we can continue to talk about 2021 planning and what you're doing for it. You can hear what other companies are doing for it. And I just think it's it's a really good, like no pressure environment. Yeah, and I'm bringing in, I'm bringing in some experts too, Bethany. I've, I've reached out to bring in some people who have some key insights on events. So that should be helpful for people too. Oh, I'm so excited. I'm so excited. There's just, you know, so many people from different companies that you can hear from that uh, I really, I've really gotten a lot out of it. And I think the listeners really will as well. So you think we should get into the news? Yeah. This is the segment where we preview news that it's going to be coming to you in your inbox in the Empowering Pumps and Equipment newsletter this week. If you're not signed up for that, you can sign up for it using the link in our show notes or going to empoweringpumps.com and clicking sign up for our newsletter there. You can also find these stories in the news on the website. The newsletter is just a great way to have it all in one place and kind of keep you on track for the week and what you need to know. So we're going to start out with Industry Person of the Week, and this week it's Susan Lubell, an engineer, an MBA, and principal consultant for Step Consulting, Inc. Yeah, I really enjoyed reading Susan's story, and I think that it's really important that we just highlight this part. She talked about her career path not being straight from university you know, to this consulting firm, but we, we all have those experiences, right? So she talks about how she enjoys a variety of work and the ability to contribute to the asset management, reliability, and maintenance community. And like we know through our meetups, again, uh, talking meetups, uh, that we've, we've connected with these reliability professionals and it does give you a great sense of accomplishment. So she encourages you to get a career path in the field of asset management, which I love also includes our people. Love it. What story did you want to highlight for us this week, Charlie? 
Okay, I know we've talked about this already with the digital magazine, but this story was our cover story. It's exploring recovery in the water and wastewater sector. It was from Crane Pumps and Systems and where Sienna worked with them to write this cover story. And I thought they did such a great job. It's really a great article. Yes, It isn't new that America's infrastructure needs an upgrade, but the pandemic has increased awareness in some, you know, some serious factors, right? And we've been talking about a lot of this, but I just want to give you a highlight here about what's in this article. Combined sewer overflows, failing septic systems, and changes in the wastewater stream expose America's aging water infrastructure. Okay, that's the kind of theme here. The concern of combined sewer overflows, that's CSOs, they talk about the untreated waste that goes into rivers and lakes as an overflow. I can't tell you enough how many times I've talked to my children about this when we go and we go and play in streams and things um, to make sure that this water is protected and important. So I resonate with this. They say that over 700 cities in the U.S. use these. In 1994, the EPA issued CSO control policy requiring us to take action to reduce or eliminate these CSOs. So I'm interested to, if you're if you're not interested, I want to know even more about this in the article, but go ahead and, and jump in there and learn about that. The other thing is recognizing a failing septic system, right? So COVID has expedited the failings of these systems with flushable wipes and the mask and everything that you see everywhere laying on I don't know about you Bethany but I've seen these masks at the football game like just anywhere just kind of laying around and you know those are going to get back into our water system so when I read this part I thought back to that when Derek Vaughn was on the show and he's just talking about how they could tell you like what city or what things are around the the sewer by just telling you what's in them you know like how they see rags and all like non-flushable lots of lots of non-flushable things which is something I never thought about before getting into this industry and then you just think about how COVID has really just like like made it so much worse because so many people are home yeah. And we're just like, well, let me get rid of this. I don't want it in my house. So I'll, th- I'll throw it down the toilet. So somebody else has to deal with it. And so I feel that this is such a relevant article. Uh, we talk about the article, but, but we also talk about the signs of hope and the investment in the future. And like now is the time to adapt our systems and really make them better. Really look to see, okay, how can we invest in our water infrastructure? I'm all about that. You know that already. But this article, it's not a salesy article, which I love. It's about, okay, these are the facts. Now, what are we going to do? And I absolutely love that. 100% agree. Okay, so the the story that I wanted to highlight for you is a white paper that we're sharing in the newsletter this week titled Using Power Sensing to Monitor and Protect Pumps. It's from Load Controls, who's one of our new partners that we're happy to have and excited to share this white paper with you. You can find the link for it in the show notes and download it um, along with other great content. But basically, the overview of the white paper is that the global market for pumps is over 60 billion US dollars and expected to continue to grow. And we all know that well-managed and maintained pumps can have a very long productive life and that proactively monitoring and maintenance are super important to avoiding costly replacement, downtime, cleanup, repairs, all these things that cost you money. So 
pump power measure measurement can play a fundamental role in all the all these key elements and they should be considered as an important factor in pump subsystem design so download this white paper to learn more about the monitoring and maintenance of pumps it's a really great read uh, something i definitely recommend downloading if it's relevant to your job and don't you just love that's our new partner we're gonna have some really great content I'm really excited. I'm I'm always happy to welcome a new partner and highlight their content that they're getting out to their target audience. So I think it's time to go to the industry interview. I've just made you do all the transitions today. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> the industry interview. I'm really excited about this one today. Charlie, who do you have for us on the industry interview? Okay, this is Jackie Boudreau, and she is the Director of Product Marketing at Crane Pumps and Systems. Yes, I just said Crane's Pumps and Systems article above. Yes, we talked about that already, but this is, she's amazing, okay? She joined Crane in May of 2018 and is responsible for product management and marketing departments. Uh, she worked for a pump company before, um, and now she has her bachelor's in marketing, and then she went back and she got her master's in engineering management. And when, when I saw engineering management, I told her, I said, I need to know more about this. So she went into detail. That's why I included that in this description. Cause I was like, I need to know more about this because that sounds amazing. Yes. And it is. And it, it really does combine the two worlds, marketing and engineering and how to be effective in, for these pump companies um, to get their message out. So technical content, how do we connect with people? I'm telling you, you're going to love this article or interview. Well, I'm really looking forward to hearing it. So without further delay, here's the interview. Hey, Jackie, and welcome to the Empowering Industry Podcast. Hi, Charlie. Thank you so much for having me. Well, I'm excited to get to know you a little bit better. Your bio is so interesting that I have a lot of questions. Uh, before we get started, we'll just let you introduce yourself, let people know kind of who you are and what you do in the industry. Absolutely. Uh, my name is Jackie Boudreau. I currently work for Crane Pumps and Systems in Dayton, Ohio. Uh, I've been here a little bit over two years, and I am responsible for product management and marketing. And you have kind of been there, but tell us about your journey before that. How did you get into the industry? I know you've been in the industry working for several other uh, manufacturers. What got you started in, in marketing and in our industry? Yeah, sure. So I'm originally from upstate New York. I grew up in a very small town, and that town is surprisingly home to two different pump manufacturers. Uh, so I went to school out of state uh, for my undergrad, and when I came home for the summers, I wanted an internship opportunity that was close to my family. So I applied to work at one of those uh, local pump companies and I uh, received an opportunity to be an intern for a global product manager. Uh, at the time, uh, he managed, managed a uh, portfolio of residential pumps and residential uh, variable speed drives. So that was really my first step into the pump industry. And really it was the deciding factor for me to stay in the industry and, and what drove me to work towards a career in product management. So before that, you you started off as Virginia Tech. And, and so we'll talk about that later as far as fun things uh, in the football season that we're in. Are, are y'all going to be able to play this year? At this point, yes, but I think anything could happen. So my fingers are crossed. 
Okay. So, so anyway, tell me a little bit about why you chose marketing. Yeah, of course. So I think I knew I wanted business. Um, I've always been kind of outgoing and maybe talk too much, but I thought something related to business and sales and being in front of customers. And at the time at Virginia Tech, there wasn't a, a degree focused on sales really. So, um, so marketing was, was kind of the next best thing for me. I've always been interested in in products as well. So that was kind of, kind of one hand in hand. Well, it gives me a a good kind of segue into, you know, why engineering, why, you know, the pump industry, but you, you let me know that your family also, so your mother and your sister are both in the industry as well. Yes, you can imagine what uh, topics and uh, conversations during Christmas are like <laughs> with three. Well, yeah, so I'm envious actually. So uh, <laughs> I so marketing, being a woman in the pump industry, and and having that. But then you also have football in there, all kinds of exciting things. I I would just fit right in uh, <laughs> to, to your Thanksgiving dinner, t- you know, conversations, but. <laughs> You know, was it your mom first who was in the industry that kind of inspired you? What would you you say that, you know, inspired you to keep on in the industry? Definitely. Yeah. Um, so she's actually been in the industry. I think I think it's been over 30 years now. She'll be upset if I got that number wrong and I'm showing her age. We but... won't tell her exactly. Yeah, we won't tell exactly <laughs> her age. No. Right, right. But uh, yeah, she's she's always been in the industry for as long as I can remember. So, you know, and I'm, we can talk a, a little bit more about what that's like to be a woman in the industry, but she was always a role model to me. She never, you know, there's of course all different types of adversity that you meet, no matter what your role is and what industry you're in, you're in, but she was always in a, in a field that was, you know, manufacturing, industrial product related. And, uh, it was to watch, to grow up with her going through those things. It, it was cool to me, right? It was like, I, I want to do something like that. I, I want to be that girl at that table with all the guys. So, so my mom definitely had, was a, another impact uh, and reason why I decided to get into the industry. And, and I think the same goes for my sister. She's younger than me. So she was later to the game, but uh, she's been in for a few years now as well. Well, let me just ask you this because I have a 10 year old daughter and I, and two sons, uh, but, but my daughter, she's the one that kind of, I guess, humors me and says, you know, that how, how much she wants to be like me and stuff like that. But the, did she, do you, do you remember kind of pointing out industrial equipment and, and things like that when you were younger? I, I think so. It just, you know, it's what, it's what you're raised on. So it's what, it's what we were brought up to, to be, you know, casually educated about. So I think, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't uh, my own doing. I think that was just, I was a product of my environment. So that's what we talked about. And then by default, that's what I became interested in. Plus going to um, a more technical school, although I, I didn't go to school for engineering at Virginia Tech, it's a, it's a huge school with a ton of engineers. So you're around that environment. And again, we just, we kind of fall into that, into that pattern. And now that's, you know, that's, what, that's now a passion of mine. Yeah. And now you can talk the talk and which is what you're doing as product marketer, right? That you're constantly kind of saying in a way where, you know, the the layman, if you will, can understand products in and storytelling uh, about different products. So that's marketing. And then you move into engineering management. So tell me what is engineering management um, for the, for the ones that I haven't heard that term as far as a degree before I can kind of understand it, but from your perspective, what, what is that? So I think to me, engineering management is an, a type of an MBA or a, a technical MBA, but it's more focused on production, 
operations, project management, things that are common in the manufacturing industry. So I think after, you know, getting a business degree and then coming into manufacturing, there are so many things that were applicable that I learned from undergrad, but I learned quickly and you kind of said it earlier, you, you, it's part of this job is, you know, you've got to be able to talk the talk. And if you are just, if you just have a marketing background, it can be really difficult to be able to communicate or explain in layman's terms, a very technical engineered order product. So that's, that's what engineering management did for me. It's, it's a, it's a mix of a business degree, but related to operations and you'll still get the leadership and managerial training that you would get from an MBA. That's excellent. Uh, I think a lot of us would kind of go back and want to, especially in our, our field to look at that degree and see how we can use it. Uh, you know, I know, I know a lot of people have been back and made, you know, uh, finance or accounting or something like that as a, as a growth opportunity for them. And it seems like this is kind of all encompassing of what you need to know, you know, for the pump industry. That sounds so you've helped people already on this call, Jackie, uh, which I knew you would. So, t- so one of my interests, right. From you know, crane pumps and systems and being, you know, a leader in this, you know, taking care of all these wipes that are out there in the water industry, but really just in general, I'm, I'm curious is it water something that you're passionate about? Is it the engineering as a whole? What what kind of set your path here to, to Crane? You know, I always joke when people ask me why I chose to work in uh, the water pump industry. And especially now, because Crane, like you said, we, we focus on um, mostly all our, our strategic focus is wastewater, right? Wastewater and and that market and all the pumps uh, that that deal with solids handling. So I always joke and say, you know, some little girls grow up dreaming of being princesses, but I always knew I always wanted to sell sewage pumps, which is a right. perfect joke. <laughs> but in all honesty, water, it's a natural resource, but it's also so it's essential. And every person every single day is drinking clean water and disposing of wastewater. And this industry creates the equipment that makes that possible. So it's, it's rewarding to me, I think, to provide those products and those services that, you know, the majority of the people in the world or in, in first world countries anyways, use every day and multiple times a day. So I would say it is a passion of mine and it's become more of a passion of mine the older I get and the, the more we hear about the environment and, and the future of, of the world. It's, it's, I feel lucky and, and proud to be a part of it. Yeah, we talk about water scarcity and, and the things that we need to do to make sure that we're taking care of our water and reusing it or, you know, having the best process that we can to make sure that we're utilizing it the best way that we can. And so I do believe that is a responsibility of the manufacturers and the utilities to work together to make sure that we are looking ahead. And I, I know y'all are doing that, a very innovative company uh, that you work for, but the I guess next kind of shifting gears, and we've talked about it a little bit as a woman in the industry, uh, I always, I think it's funny now that I I do this, I'm with empowering women in industry and uh, you'll get a kick out of this for being in marketing. I'm like, Oh, there's a woman I can market to her. Right. I can, (laughs) Oh, that was the easy target. Like I go over there and I talk to her about what we're doing, but in general, women in industry, there, there are a lot of the onlys in the room. And I didn't really experience this till much later in my career that this was even a, an issue. But 
what is it like growing up and having those two role models, you know, next to you, one younger than you, one older than you, and, you know, being in our industry and being able to have somebody to talk to, I just feel like that's a, a completely different experience than if you didn't have that sort of like what your mom had to probably go through. Yeah. So I think, you know, I, I'm a little bit, um, I might have a little bit of a different outlook because of that reason, because it's it's really all that I know. And, and frankly, it's all that, it's all that my mom knows too, that that's been her entire career. Um, so I might be a little callous to some things that, that other women may um, view in a different way. Um, and, and that can be good and bad. Right. But I think, you know, this industry can be rough around the edges uh, to an outsider looking in, especially in some markets and markets, um, especially, you know, there's, I mean, you just think about the places that pumps go and the, the people and the, even the, the physical location that these pumps are going, it's just, it's not that glamorous. And, and that, and I think that can deter women um, just, just the fact, just in the fact of what the business is. But I don't know. I, I there's something about being an underdog that I always really loved, and, and my and my mom was one too. I thought, I think women. I don't know the exact numbers anymore, but a couple of years ago, I think it was was like thirty percent of uh, the manufacturing uh, workforce is is women. So there's a lot of things that drive that, and really, it was before my time where it was where it was really different. But for pumps, a lot of these businesses were family owned to begin with these pumps were, and even still are these huge hunks of cast iron and, and stainless steel and, and motors are hundreds of horsepower. Some of these companies have their own foundries, right? So it's decades ago that just wasn't, that's not the kind of work that a woman would have been considered for. But in my opinion, and again, I'm, I'm biased because I grew up with it. Uh, times have changed so much and not just, not just for the female workforce, but also for the manufacturers putting more of a a focus and interest on hiring people like, like you and I, I think, and and you probably know a lot more about this topic than I do, but you know, with more people, more women graduating with the STEM degrees, um, that's going to help, that'll help cultivate more women entering this industry that can be a little more technical and in science and engineering related. And I think more businesses are putting value on the creative thinking and diversity that these technical women bring to the table. And that table like you said, you know, there's a lot of onlys in the room. That table was historically men, but now, now those people and, and people with those backgrounds are in, in really high demand. So I think that's one side. And then, I don't know, I think my generation has a lot to do with it as well. So I'm a millennial and my generation is really vocal about wage gaps and uh, rising costs of childcare, maternity and fraternity leave, flexible or remote work schedules, things like that. And I think also my generation having access to social media has promoted a lot of that, but uh, that's, that's making manufacturers listen, especially and, and everyone in the industry and in, in every industry, but in this industry, especially since it's already not the most glamorous, I think these manufacturers are starting to really focus on putting together benefits and packages to encourage females to come on board, to give them what they need to have the balance of, you know, providing everything they can to the business and also, you know, having, having the things they need as a, as a woman. So I've noticed a huge leap forward. Yeah. And that both in my business and, and across the industry with our competitors, there's a focus on hiring and retaining women. You talked, touched on a couple of things. Manufacturing in general is not that dirty place anymore. We've, we've really focused on things like lean manufacturing and cleaning up our work sites. 
there's still some out there that need to be work that need to work on that. But in the majority of people kind of keep that in mind and, and make sure that their plants are working towards that if they're not already. But there's not that stigma in every industry of manufacturing that it's dirty. Now, some things are just dirty, right? Mining is dirty. It's, it's, you're going to get dirty when you go out there. But so many different careers, so many different aspects of manufacturing. And that, you know, and bringing in women in STEM definitely makes a difference. And, and, you know, maybe they go into one industry, but they have that background in engineering that takes them to any industry, really. And so I'm, I'm excited to see that and that combination of bringing women into our industry from outside sources. I think we can learn a lot if we open up across industries as well. And then just there's so many different, you know, job options within manufacturing from marketing to engineering to tech to, you know, accounting. You know, there's just so many different things that we can do within that industry. Uh, I like to say STEAM because I love the arts, uh, which is where I put marketing. If you can't, you know, present something in a very beautiful way and have a great story with it, people probably won't pay attention. So I I think I could ask you about this. That's a challenge in our industry, right? To combine marketing and technology or technical reading. How have you, I guess, mastered that? Yeah, that's, that's difficult. And I think that was a big reason why I, I went for my master's in engineering management. So part of it is, is just teaching yourself to have a, a technical aptitude. If you are more of a sales and marketing person. I, you know, I found, I think you're kind of either one or the other, and it's, it's difficult to, to merge the two, like you just said, but you just, you read a lot, you know, you, you read the the technical bulletins and you read the manuals of the products if you have, if you have to, but I think you just have to really have the, the patience to learn a product before you can effectively market it. I don't think, you know, and, and I, you, as a marketer in this industry, you're only communicating 5% of what you know about it, but that's the only way you can really choose the right 5%. That's the way I've always kind of looked at it. Yeah, that's great advice. Uh, I remember kind of sitting through different presentations on MPSH and trying to figure out and learn, you know, what these graphs mean and things like that early on so that I could just understand what they're talking about. Not that you want me working on a pump or anything like that, but I think it's important. I think you have to really in, in all of our jobs, right? We have to learn as much as we can about it, uh, get into the details that are outside of our jobs. And that definitely makes a, a good marketer. I always struggle with people who are in either advertising or marketing that, you know, you talk to them and you can clearly tell that they don't know anything about the industry and it sets you off. It kind of, okay, well, let let me talk to somebody that knows what they're talking about. Even me, right? So that's not what we want. Uh, we want to make sure that we're educated so that we can present those ideas well. As we've been talking, and I know, you know, I've loved reading the cover story that we, that you and your company are on our October issue. So I think that talking about this recovery is such an important topic and what that looks like uh, in our everyday Tell me how, how it was just to be a part of that and kind of figuring out what your cover story in this time was going to be. Yeah, sure. So within my role, you know, I, I do a lot of research anyways on on the markets and the state of the industry and all of that. And I, and I think even before the pandemic, it was so complex. There's so many factors 
contributing to water and wastewater that we're, that we're changing the way we do business and that we'll continue to, to do business. So that's everything from, um, I talk in that article, we talk about um, the changing waste stream and you mentioned the flushable wipes. So just the types of things that now are making their way down toilets, down drains, it's one. Then you've got reduction in water use and you have all of these um, plumbing fixtures that are, are low flow, you know, to be more efficient, use less water, conserve water. And you've got an aging infrastructure, not just municipal, but you've got uh, private septic tanks failing. All these, all these factors, it seems like they kind of, they kind of met up right, right now. And then right. to make it worse, you've got COVID-19 who's impacted uh, the tax revenue that's being able to be collected and therefore cutting these budgets, um, again, of municipal and, um, you know, smaller systems. So the products that we create and, and services and, you know, other, you know, some other companies are, you know, all the way down the line within that water treatment. It's a huge impact to the business that we have, although it's essential, which is, which is, you know, promising. And a big thing I love about this industry is it's, it's stable, even in kind of economic unrest. Um, it's, it's scary. You know, it was scary to go through this time and, and knowing that all these things are kind of pitched against us, but it, it was a lot of, a lot of boxes you need to check to be successful or even just stay above water at this time. But I think things like this, it, it continues to, it allows the industry to continue to improve, to make better products, to make products that are full of um, value-added features and really satisfy and alleviate pain points for customers. So even in a, in a budget, in a tight budget year, it's a no-brainer to buy these products. So I think, and that's that's kind of what I, at the end of that article, we, we wrap it up and say, you know, this is this is the time where the, the, the best new innovative technology is needed because it's it's the only thing that that's going to last at this point or is going to make it. So it's again difficult with the pandemic. We've lost in-person trade shows, which you know all about. I talked to um, Becca yesterday from Empowering Pumps talking about Weft Tech Connect and how different that will be both for manufacturers and customers because that's that's typically that's typically the way that we we show what we've been working on for a whole year and what we. We want our customers to be aware of whether it's a tool or a product or even new information. So that's a struggle too. But thankfully, Weftech has has gone to a digital platform, so we're still able to share that information. Just you know, everything's changing now, and the the world's not what we knew it to be. And and who knows when it will get back to normal if it ever does. But um, I think if we evolve, all the manufacturers are in this together at this point, and we just need to keep providing products that can keep supplying the the world with what they need. Yeah. And you, you also mentioned, um, or I thought about uh, communication, you're talking about how you, you know, needed to work with the customer in this time, but I think communication is, is definitely a key to all of those things, making sure that we know um, what, what products are out there, the technologies that can help everyone that they have access to that information. And then also, you know, having those really good relationships uh, with your customers. And I think that, you know, from WefTech Connect, which uh, again is such a, a huge opportunity during this time when we can't meet to showcase things. It's also, okay, how are we going to network during these times? So we've been trying to, you know, educate people on how to network during an online event to, you know, make the most of it. We've done a couple podcasts on that. 
but we have to be able to communicate with each other and connect with each other online um, until we can get back to doing that in person. Uh, and so it's, it's great to see, you know, leaders coming together to continue to do that. Uh, we, of course, will support you anyway. We love that uh, y'all are a partner with us and thank you for you know, sharing. And I, I really thought you did a, a fascinating job on the article, the cover story. And I look forward to you know, sharing that with everybody in the show notes. And also just, you know, keep in touch during this time. Uh, we have the video meetup. So anytime you just, you need a break and you need to say hello to somebody different. Now we're doing that every two weeks. So Jackie, I hope you'll, you'll get to join us one time, one, one of these days when things kind of settle down for you. Thank you. Thank you so much, Charlie. Well, it's great to have you. And, and, and I loved having your, your team with us a few episodes back. So y'all check that out too. So Jackie, thank you again for being on the podcast with me today. Thank you for having me. Charlie, thanks so much for bringing Jackie on the show. She's great. I hope that you, the listener, got just as much out of it as we did bringing it to you. Um, she She's a great a great person to highlight and just doing awesome things. Yeah. I love when it's a family affair too. Uh, it makes me feel okay that I've made, raised my kids up to, you know, care about pumps and valves and it, all the things included in the industry. So she made me feel at home. That's awesome. All right. So that brings us to the end of our show. Thank you for listening. Uh, as always, you know, make sure that you connect with us online. I absolutely love when you, you know, send me a, at empowering pumps. I see all of those. Uh, also hashtag empowering industry podcast uh, is a great mention. Uh, or you can email us at podcast at empowering pumps.com. Before we go, Empowering Women 2020 On Demand Pass is available right now for $79. You get access to the event app, to all of the sessions. You can see the participant discussion. It's a wonderful event. You don't want to miss out. I think that's available for about another month. So you definitely want to jump on that now before it goes away and we start planning for next year. Yeah, I think we'll take it down November 1st. So, um, or I think it goes away November 1st. So go ahead and, and last I, I sh we should have just had a day full of it where we're all on there connecting again. But we we did have a great day today celebrating empowering women, you know, in the time that we had in August and the time that we're going to have in October. So join in on that. And one last plug to not overlook our digital edition of the magazine. Uh, it's out. You can get it on empoweringpumps.com or you can message us and I'd love to send it to you. It's also really fun if you haven't looked at it, like videos pop out at you and it's got lots of great information and social influencers, Days in the Life, uh, that great Crane Pumps and Systems article that we talked about. It's just, it's good. You don't want to miss it for sure. We'll be back every Monday with a new episode. So until then, be empowering. And I guess now we've done all of the important things. We're to the end of the show. My least favorite part of the show. Yeah, I don't like it. Carly just walked up. And so that's the door that you hear. <laughs> so Carly, you want to say hey to Bethany real quick? Hey, Bethany. Hey, okay. Carly.